Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone to David. You have to take over. Oh, what happened there? Hey, everyone, welcome to. Is something wrong with my mic? Check, check. Oh wow! Wow, something's up. It's it's always during lower decks. <laughs> it's always during lower decks. God damn it! Did you not actually uh, schedule the maintenance? Yeah, Dave. For the I, I think we're cursed by lower decks because they all <laughs> suck. <laughs> we suck by <laughs> default. We suck by default. That was weird. The lower deck engineers are yet again in the studio <laughs> fucking up. We are the bottom of the barrel <laughs> of the podcast barrel. radio <laughs> broadcasters, which I think is. It's it's suiting. I think we've been using the holodeck too much. It's all gummed up with stuff. Oh wow! Can you ima- can you believe they actually did that in this episode, <laughs> dude? I'm they glad. actually I'm glad. said what we all say. <laughs> if there was really a holodeck, we would all be fucking in it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they did. That's what they did. That's what they did, dude. I, I have to say, the humor in in episode four actually hit pretty well for me in this one. Well, I'll agree. This episode was a was strides above the previous three. Oh, absolutely, without a absolutely. doubt. I think that looking back, when me and you first started, we were discussing how like critics were given one through four completely to watch altogether. I think that episode four is the one that leaves a good quote-unquote taste a good taste oh, or a good holodeck feeling. taste yeah it, it leaves a good holodeck taste, holodeck taste in the back of your mouth <laughs> but it's the it, it's probably the strongest episode to date yeah i agree for lower decks and if they were to open up the series with this episode i think it would have been better yeah i'm we'll we'll get into that i agree yeah yeah, because but like first, Dave, I must welcome everyone to the show. Yes, we have to welcome everyone to Star Trek from the holodeck, the lower decks edition. If you couldn't tell, that's definitely the edition. We can't start a show the right way without it being a lower decks edition. <laughs> uh, you're listening to us live on RM channel zero zero one. If you want to listen to us on the go and you don't want to be a slave to your keyboard, you can find us on TuneIn. TuneIn Radio. Just search RM channel zero. Zero one. All right. So today we will be talking about Lower Decks, season one, episode four, titled Moist Vessel. That is such a disgusting sounding title. Moist. Directed by <laughs> Barry J. Kelly and written by Anne R. I would say Acacia Kim. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Now, as you said, Dave, this episode was something we can get behind 100%. This episode marks a big improvement from the previous three episodes yeah. and not a little improvement. That's why I say big 
it was a big improvement over the previous three episodes. Yeah. Lower Decks episode four proves that it can be more than simply a platform for the great Easter eggs of the week. Yes. Or, hey, how many Star Trek references can I throw in? Listen, we get it. You, you've you watched Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Congratulations. Now, what are you going to give us in the form of something new? It's still too early to tell, but it feels based on this episode that they might have found their stride because this episode, the comedy was not forced. As you said, it was organically a part of the narrative. It fit the situations and it didn't take you out of the moment. Everything was clicking. Even the script was much better. The writing felt more even more eventful. It was concise. There was a purpose to the madness. Yeah. And your characters were not, did not take away from the story. Like, like the last episode, I railed against Mariner. In this one, Mariner made sense. She made sense. She made sense. The, the things that she was doing made sense. Yeah. And like, I was really concerned after the last episode where they were taking this character. Now she's a bit more palatable. Yeah. You know, just bring some depth to your character and the way they book ended the first quarter of season one with issues pertaining to the mother. Because we saw that in the first episode and they brought it back in this fourth episode here and it worked. It gave this particular first quarter story arc a bit of closure and it brought something worthy of Trek to the forefront. Yeah. And it it honestly, I think after watching this, I understand why critics at the time were 50-50 on, on Lower Decks. Because if you think about it, out of the four episodes... The You're talking two, about professional critics, right? Yeah, professional yeah. critics. Yeah. Two of the episodes made sense. The first and the fourth one. Two and three were kind of like throwaways. So if you take a look at that as a critic... 50-50 makes, makes sense now why yeah. critics were saying, hey, this is, it's an okay, it's an okay series, give it a shot. Now, I can understand also a lot of, like, the fan backlash, especially after 2 and 3, essentially you're telling me that basically episode 2 and 3 don't matter. Well, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Exactly. Because it's if, a very easy they, way to shoot themselves in the foot. Because in retrospect, they probably should have just dropped the first four episodes, I should yes. say, so that people can get a a more satisfying first impression. I mean, it's not going to fix the problems with the first three episodes. It's not. No. But at least that fourth episode leaves everyone wanting a bit more. And it, it, it kind of brought a lot of the elements that were hinted at in episodes one, two, and three right. and brought it to the forefront, which is what you you honestly needed to do from the get-go. Yeah. But I also understand that basically, hey, four episodes. Also, you got to look at the runtime. The runtime of Laura Dex is not very long. No. It's probably 20, 25 minutes. Right. Yeah, we're not we're not expecting Schindler's list here. Exactly. We just want a method to the madness. We want a little bit of substance. I feel like in this episode, Dave, we were definitely given that. Mm-hmm. See what happens when you let go of fan service and rely on your own story and plot. 
you get an episode that's worth watching. This honestly feels like the most traditional Star Trek episode yet as well. So not only was the the script and the comedy all working, but this also felt like a more traditional episode of Star Trek. It shows that you can deliver humor and story if that is at the forefront of the writer's mind. Yes. When you're in that writing room, you can't think, what are we going to do that's funny? Ha 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 ha. No. What story are you going to tell? Yeah. What story are you going to tell? And then go back and add the humor. And I know Mike McMahon had said they'd done that in the writing room. That was their process, that they would essentially sit down and write an episode of Star Trek. But I did not get that feeling at all for the first three episodes. three episodes it just felt like hey let's tell a lot of funny jokes with easter eggs let's flex our star trek muscle and show them that we've watched star trek before it felt like they were trying to show us their big star trek deck hey guys we know star trek look we're gonna do this we're gonna do this we're gonna do that yeah listen i don't i don't care show us you know star trek show us that you've watched star trek by creating an episode like this one yeah something that feels more on par with Trek, something that feels naturally like Trek. Don't just force it. Don't, you know, grab, don't make me grab my ankles and force me to take it <laughs> because you're saying it's Star Trek dick. Like, it's just Star Trek dick. I'm like, no, dude, I'll take it if I want it. Yeah. You got to be gentle with that Klingon dick. Yeah. This is my okay? first. It's spiky. It's, it, yeah. It's, it's pointy. It's, it's going to cause cuts. I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I totally, I totally agree with you. It's kind of like I look at this episode and I'm like going, it's something that me and you have, have harped on in all our Star Trek shows. And it just seems to be something that is, it ties to the core of what makes Star Trek. What is your story about? What is it about? Right. Here, That's what it always actually, comes down to. We actually got a pretty cool what is it about moment. It's not just about, just like what you say, the the Star Trek jokes and the Easter eggs. The story is about this mother and daughter who are at odds. And we have to understand why. Why are they at odds? Well, it's a bit like, I feel like there was a, a couple different themes running through this. Yeah. And you're right. Had to do with family. So had you had family. You had a little bit of. You had a little bit of. You had a small minor theme pertaining to transformation, which you can apply that to Mariner and the mother as well. Yeah. And you can add a theme of possibly acceptance. There's a acceptance and understanding. So there's a lot of things going on, accepting who you are, accepting what you've done. I mean, the entire Ascension aspect of this episode <laughs> was Tindy. fucking fun as hell. Oh, yeah. It's probably yeah. hands down my favorite element of all of lower decks so far. But the idea of using that as a way of accepting you, who you are accepting when you've made a mistake, don't try to make yourself the hero when you're obviously the villain. I mean, there was a lot of things like classic Star Trek. When that guy turned around and said, quit making yourself the hero when you're a villain, villain. I'm like, holy fuck. I can hear captain Kirk saying something like that. Yeah. And I'm telling you, dude, the two characters that I truly really do like, in in the series is not the main characters. No. It's Tindy and Rutherford. So far. Tindy and Rutherford are freaking awesome. I like Ransom too. Ransom's cool, but when it comes to understanding a human element, mm -hmm. they hit it out of the park with Rutherford and Tindy. Yeah. I mean, Tindy, the way it, it may sound crazy to people that 
Tindy, the way Tindy acts is very human, but it is. It's about social anxiety. Who doesn't have social anxiety where right. they pe- people that basically say, especially in nowadays with the the generation of Facebook and Twitter, everyone has to like me. Please like me. <laughs> uh, like my post. Please. Like my post, please. And then losing your mind if someone dislikes it or basically writes a trollish comment. Yeah. Tindy is Tindy is basically I, I felt personally us. attacked you know, <laughs> during that moment. And and like Tindy Tindy is for me one of the funnest aspects of the episode. And she might be my new Star Trek crush. I might throw her up there with T'Pol and Seven and Nine <laughs> because imagine her in human form, live action form. Oh, yeah. There you go. If we, if we could there see. There you go. I would rather see her than Mariner. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'd rather see Boilermer. <laughs> Boilermer? Boilermer? Yeah, get naked, Boilermer. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and Let's the, go to the holodeck. And dude, I really and make truly, Mariner clean it up. I truly felt sorry for Boilermer in this one. It's Boilermer. Yeah, Boilermer. But I felt sorry for him in this episode because, like, he's like going, oh, so if I'm a rebel, everyone will like me. <laughs> like, he can't get it right. He can't guy. get it right. Yeah. This, and you didn't have to do a lot with him. But they got it right. I love the fact that he walks up to Ransom in the middle of this, like, like whole red alert thing, spills coffee on him and goes, what do you think of that? <laughs> like going, Jesus Christ, David, you're having a, a, a what is what is going on? That's like a, an evil laugh over there. You sound like the Joker. That is my perfect evil laugh. But that's what Bolivar was doing. Yeah, that's what that's one what of our one of our listeners on YouTube wrote. Boimler. I guess he's trying to help us pronounce it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad our <laughs> listeners know that we're idiots. At least we get comments. Bo- Boimler. Boimler? Bo- Boimler. Bo- Boimler. No, Boimler. <laughs> There's not three syllables. Two. Bo- Boimler. Boimler. No, Boimler. Boimler. Let's learn how to read today <laughs> on Star Trek <laughs> from the holodeck. Ready? Let's enunciate. Boimler. Boy, wait, Boimler. I now Boimler. I did. You're messing me up now, David. I'm gonna throw something at you. Come on, I'm gonna take you over the holodeck and teach you a lesson. <laughs> All right, yeah. So the entire ascension aspect of the episode was fun as hell. Oh, Ensign Tendi, I agree with you. She's she's definitely fantastic. She took the spotlight in this episode. She was my favorite part of the episode. And the way the whole scenario ended with the officer finding ascension was funny as hell. These are the moments that reflect that Rick and Morty flair. We keep talking about that, the Rick and Morty flair. And honestly, I kind of don't want to keep going back to that because this is Star Trek. It should be something very different. But this is when you expect a creator or showrunner to flex his style a bit. These are the moments. Let Star Trek be Star Trek. But also, hey, we hired you, or I should say CBS All Access and the Star Trek gods currently hired you for a reason. They obviously saw something that they liked in your style. So go ahead and use that style. But I don't want all of Lower Decks to feel like, a you know, a poor man's rendition of Rick and Morty. Of Rick and Morty. But this is an aspect where you can make it work. And they yeah. did. They gave us that Rick and Morty over the top, fucked up scene where the guy is ascending and oh wait a second this is this is burning and it was it was so fucking funny because tendy is saying what she's all 
turn back to physical form and drop roll drop <laughs> roll turn back to physical form and drop roll the whole scenario was fucking clever and amazingly funny oh yeah Especially that's how you write comedy when you throw in when you throw in the the, the fucked upness of like even throwing the imagery of a koala bear why is it taking so long why is it taking so long <laughs> and like i i was cracking up at it even more just as a star trek fan because i thought about it I'm like going Whenever we have these moments when a character, uh, quote unquote, ascends enlightenment, it's always seemed as peaceful and it seemed as easy and it's a flash of light and, and right. everyone moves on really peacefully. But perhaps, maybe, it's actually painful, painful. to ascend. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like thinking of the times that we see that in Star Trek, whether it's in Deep Space Nine with Cisco when he becomes one with the prophets. Now okay. that would have been amazing if he would have said, "Oh, there's Cisco," and then ended right, <laughs> and there. Then ended right there. Instead of saying the meaning of life or the secret of life is, is. it should have been, "Oh, hi, <laughs> Cisco." Cisco, and then poof. <laughs> I'm sure they got the no-no on that. They're like, "Nope, we're not ready to go there yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet." But yeah. like, when you take a look at Star Trek, it this is how you can do a funny joke on Star Trek. You know, right. the whole thing about us as Trekkies is we know what rising to enlightenment looks like because we see it all the time in yeah. every single series. Well, it's an example as well of letting their humor rely on their own yeah. humor rather than relying on Star Trek jokes. Yeah. And that's, I, I like the fact that you brought up while we don't want to constantly bring up the Rick and Morty aspect, this is basically sh at least showing Mike McMahon's style. This is his style. Right. And honestly, this is one of the moments when he lets his style go that I'm like, going, I literally was like clapping. I'm like, going, this is, this is yeah. good. Dude, I was laughing. This was great timing. And that goes for every scene. Even the stuff with Mariner this week was on point. The animation is what told the comedic aspect. They didn't need for someone to say something. You have to, an listen, it's up to the director, the animation director. How am I going to make this scene funny this is a funny scenario let me make this work when she's being called to work over and over and over and she kind of just rolls off the bed sideways i was laughing i'm like this is what i wanted something that is actually legitimately funny not me being a star trek fan watching it because hey i need to love star trek and i'm gonna chuckle at this no i was actually honestly laughing at various moments throughout the entire episode. Yeah. And remember, Dave, I said one thing during our first discussion. I said, do what you want, but let this be its own thing. Yes. Let's not have tons of Easter eggs. Not let's not let's not this let's not write a complete parody. We don't need a Star Trek parody. Let this be essentially its own Star Trek. Yeah. And I feel like this episode was the first time that we were given that something that can actually be called its own its own star trek and if we get more episodes like this then i'm on board dave yeah I, because I after agree. after the first three episodes i wasn't sure anymore i was like i don't know if i'm going to continue with this and i will say that episode four came at the right time yeah it did because I, you and i both were like this we're, is we're, it was almost a chore to push play yes and that would have been a shame if this episode came an episode later and we would never have known. And that makes me worried for the show as a whole, because how many other people just aren't like us 
and they said, fuck it. I'm not going to push play ever exactly. again. Exactly, And that's where they, that, that's where I'm worried that basically the show shot itself in the foot. Right. By, by doing that, by basically yeah. letting us see the two and three, uh, the second and third episode when honestly in, in, in examples of good comedy writing, Episode four gets comedy right. It let's just like what you said, the comedy speak for itself. Right. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. force it. I mean, like one of my favorite scenes that I was actually kind of s- laughing at was when Mariner is stuck with the mundane role as a lieutenant mm-hmm. and suddenly she's in the poker game. And that was a great scene. It was a fantastic scene because they let the, the, they let the comedy build itself. And also Mariner was funny. Things that she said when she, I believe that whole line of you fold, you fold, you always fold, fold. you're going to fold. <laughs> I was like, I laughed at that. Like that's fucking good. And then the, and then the punchline is the, 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 the one cat doctor looks at her and goes, I fold. <laughs> that's good comedy writing. Let what happened? Like, seriously, what the fuck happened? Did Mike McMahon take his head out of his ass and like, all right, fuck, these first three episodes are not working, guys. Should we rewrite? Nah, fuck it. We don't have enough time. We'll just make sure episode four is great. I just think that basically the first three episodes they wanted so badly. To flex that Star Trek dick? To to flex the Star Trek dick. Because like every single joke that they forced was Star Trek based when you look at it. Every single joke that fell flat. To us in episodes one, two, and three were all Star Trek jokes. Yeah. Here, do you realize that there wasn't quote unquote Star Trek jokes? No, there were references, which there there, there should be. There's references in all versions of Star Trek when you have, you know, 50 plus years of Star Trek, right? 50 years? Yeah, 50 plus years of Star Trek. Guess what? There's going to be some references. But here's the thing. And that's fine. Say that poker poker, uh, scene, right? Right. I know that Star Trek fans, well, that's a, that's a joke from, from TNG. But that's fine. That's fine. But if you look at the, the poker scene what's by it, itself. What's it saying? Exactly. Yes. And it's saying, it saying? it's saying something. It's, it's, it's pushing our plot forward. It's fleshing out the aspects of Mariner that we need to know. And that's another win for this episode. Yeah. Because most importantly, besides it being funny and being a sh- its own show, they brought a personal aspect to this episode that I appreciated pairing. I mean, pairing Mariner with captain Freeman was genius. Was something we needed to push. Yeah. We, we needed it to push us further and, and pull us into, uh, into, I want to say the story. So we're more engrossed. I mean, we're moving into essentially the second quarter of season one, and we needed that personal element. Yeah. Star Trek has always been a personal show. Yes, even the versions that are more episodic, like the original series and TNG, it still has a personal element for all of our characters. It needs heart. Right. And this gave us a lot of insight into why Mariner does what she does. That's what we had said, I believe, during our last discussion. Like, yeah. why the fuck does she act like this? She's annoying. Yeah, she's annoying and she's an asshole. And now, okay. and now we understand that there's a bit more going on. Looking back at the previous three episodes, along with this one, we can now see that it's not that Mariner doesn't want to work. Not that she's lazy. She wants excitement. She wants to enjoy the work she does and yeah. not follow all the stuffy rules that prevents her from enjoying her life. Regulations bore her, the mundane. She wants to be out there exploring, which isn't that yeah. what Star Trek at its core kind of about ex- exploration? Yeah, it's about 
constantly going, boldly going where no man has gone before. No you know? person, Dave. Yeah. No, no person. person. No person. Yeah. Come on, Dave. But like, Be more progressive. <laughs> Say sorry. Now do it before I take you into I the am, holodeck. I am so sorry. Please right. don't make me actually clean up. The, the internet are going to hate us. <laughs> I, I can't get that stuff out of my skin after cleaning the holodeck the first time. So I, I <laughs> someone told me that you were licking it off the, the holodeck wall. I thought it was some kind of like dessert cream. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> disgusting. David, get out of the studio. <laughs> never, never coming here again. I'm going to find a new co-host. <laughs> but like there's something about episode four that finally made things click because I'll yeah. be honest, the first one minute into the episode, Mariner's her bitchy self. Oh, I wanted David, I, apologize again, David. <laughs> and I wanted to stab her in the face. So violent, Dave. But afterwards, they immediately just like went in and explained it. Yeah. And it made it made me look back at it and say, okay, if I wasn't as negative on Mariner after episode three. I would actually think she's actually really likable up to this point. No, if, she, yeah. If, if well, after this episode, I would even say going back, if I were to go back and watch the first three episodes because of what they did with her in this episode, I would look at her differently. Yes. And I would be okay. Absolutely. And I know we need to be patient, but at the same time, you need to make sure because I know backtracking just a second here. I know writers might say, well, be patient. Let us explain. Well, listen, I'm sorry, dude. If we don't like your character in the first two or three episodes, that's your problem. That's your problem. Make me like her. Yeah. And you, and you shouldn't have to wait four or five episodes for me to like her. You got And unfortunately, she was just unlikable. Now I feel like she is a bit redeemed. It's, There's still a lot of work to do, but they're definitely on the right track. Because at the end of this episode, Dave, at the end of this episode, all the things that that's that makes Mariner tick. Maybe not all, but a majority. Majority of it. It was more clear. I can see that yes. this is something that Mike McMahon was trying to flesh out. I mean, the mother and daughter bonding element was the heart of the episode. Yeah. Uh, these types of moments are so important because I don't dislike Mariner anymore. We needed yeah. to see her humanity cut through that selfish, annoying exterior. And the end of the episode, we see that they do care for each other, the mother and the daughter. But the two of them are very different. They're two different types of people. Yeah. They conflict. They butt heads. Their personalities you know, clash. You know, and the mother expects a lot from her daughter, things that her daughter just is not. And the daughter wants her mother to accept her for who she is. So there's a story there. There's a story that yes, they brought a little bit of closure for this first quarter here, but you can go on forever with these types of elements. And mm -hmm. the fact that we finally saw it or were able to, we were privy to these issues brought more legitimacy to the actual writing of this show. And the, the, the really cool part about this episode too is like, I don't know. I really like the fact that they finally, we finally got to see the captain of the ship. It's one of the things that basically has kind of, I don't know, something just didn't seem, it seems off. Not in the Kurtzman the era. We don't have captains. Yeah. Have you not noticed that discovery so weird discovering Isaac's, what was the name of the character? Lorca. Lorca wasn't really a captain. Yeah. 
I mean, he was a bad guy the entire time. Burnham is the focus. Discovery season two. We have Pike, but it's more like a, a story arc. Hey, guys, here's Pike for yes. one season. We still don't really have a captain. We move into Star Trek Picard. There is no captain. captain. <laughs> there is no captain. Well, there's not even a crew, really. It's a a, a group. A group of individuals <laughs> brought together. It isn't really a Federation crew. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Star Trek. There's no captain. Now here on Lower Decks, no captain. No I feel cap- like they're trying to reinvent the wheel and it's not working not working great for them. But look at what happens when they introduce the captain. Exactly. You get Captain Freeman. Don't reinvent the fucking wheel. If it's not broken, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. And I, I'm really hoping that we see more of Captain Freeman because honestly, I like the dynamic between her and Mariner. Yes, it, she brings legitimacy to Mariner. To Mariner. If yes. without her, if you pair Mariner with Bulmer, I hope I say that right. Boim, boim, lur, lur, boim, lur, boim, lur. Think boim, of lur. boing, boing, but boim, 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 lur. lur. But I hope that basically they pair Mariner with her mom more throughout the season. Yeah. Than her and Boilmer. Boilmer. Boim, lur. Boim, lur. But because like, I understand that those two are supposed, from the looks of it, those are our two leads. But honestly, the better yeah. pairing is... Captain Freeman and her and Mariner. Yeah. Well, she doesn't need to be the lead in order to pair them up. She can be a co-star, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, a, I don't know, number 10 on the call sheet, if you will. <laughs> number 10. Yeah. Right. It could still work. But at the end of the episode, Dave, even though we had a bit of closure and some finesse to their relationship, we still saw at those final moments. There's a long way for them to go. And I'm ready and willing to see where it goes finally. Or now, I should say. Yeah. This episode came at the right time, as I said earlier in the show. It did. And the thing I wanted to ask you is, like, if they just mixed the four episodes up, if they gave us episode one, episode four, uh, right. and then two and three, hmm. would have that, wouldn't it have been better? It, and it wouldn't mess up anything because we're messed dealing up. with an episodic series. Because you're, because at that uh, point. Annuity wise, it would be fine. And character development wise, it seems more better that or more better. More better. <laughs> it seems better placed that way. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. I'm in fact, you know what I would have done if I was them? I'd like, oh, guys, episode two and three are rough. Right, let's go to move episode four over here and uh, <laughs> let's uh, earn some some credit with the with the fans, <laughs> with please. With the fans, please. Yeah. All right. So sarcastic Vulcan salute. <laughs> I like that. I actually I like laughed. That. that was good. Ransom and Freeman are uh, talking about Mariner was another funny thing. Uh, working in the holodeck. The <laughs> fact that we get confirmation that the holodeck is, in fact, mostly oh. used for having sexual relations, which we this is, this is nothing get-go. new. This I mean, nothing new. Uh, Captain Janeway was having sex with someone in the holodeck. It started with Barkley, I believe. Yes. Everyone at some point seemed to have relationships. In season one, Riker fell for uh, a femme fatale in the holodeck. In the holodeck. Picard and him both. Shoot, we had that Jordy element where Jordy 
Yeah, met that hol- it, created that holodeck girl. And, and, I mean, of course, we have the Hollow Suites and T Space Nine, which come oh, on. No, every, Quark was constantly selling sex in dude, that Hollow Suite. Can you imagine how dirty those things? Oh are? yeah, <laughs> Deep Space Nine was not was not the nicest place, but you can expect some of the darkest things happening in Quark's. Yeah, and let's holodeck be, let's suite. be honest, Dave. Anyone would be using the holodeck for that. Even you know a woman who's uh, you know men are just depraved we understand this <laughs> but listen a woman might say hey listen i love my husband but you know what he needs a bigger dick They're like husband create program husband wait hold on computer create program husband oh um, add uh three or four inches to his penis please <laughs> okay computer begin program begin program titled horse dick did you say pornogram <laughs> <laughs> computer begin pornogram I mean, hologram, hologram. <laughs> Come on, it would happen. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I would take my girl in there. Like, listen, let's get a little freaky. Let's get a couple more people in here, if you know what I mean. In fact, hey, if you if you're a jealous type, just give me five more of you. That'd be fucking fun. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. I like the fact that in Lord Dex, we finally fucking honest. It's fucking it's honest. honest. It's honest. <laughs> It is totally honest. Any Star Trek fan listening to us right now, if you say, I wouldn't use the holodeck for that, you're lying. You're a liar. You'd be curious. <laughs> You'd be curious. Come on. Yeah. Be honest with ourselves. All us Trek fans, oh, you'd at least do it once. Once. Oh, I'd do it at least two or three <laughs> times a day. Oh, I'd be, I'd, I'd make Quark the richest man alive. Wow. <laughs> I'd just buy my own. I'd save. <laughs> yeah, like, they got to have like financing in the future, right? Like, hey, um, oh wait, socialist, right? Well, then just give me one. Well, then you have. But give then me you a hologram. Have, but then you have, to, you have to pay for services to get it cleaned. Uh, you know, what, I'll, I'll go ahead and have it. listen. It's like the RV. I figured it would be like the RV. <laughs> Cleaning out the, the tank. tank. Yeah, it'd be the same thing. You go camping, you got to clean out that tank. The same thing. You have a holiday, you got to clean it out every now and again. You got to drop sex toys in the dishwasher, too. <laughs> that's Some true. Some of them come no, no, dishwasher that's safe. That's dishwasher safe. Yeah. And they're supposed to be cleaned in the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Easter eggs this episode. The one that I w- loved was the sensors one (laughs) because dave i'm in the middle of rewatching tng yeah and i'm like fucking wharf dude it's not sensors (laughs) but they all say i believe even picard says it yes so i'm second guessing myself have i been saying sensors wrong this entire time in my life apparently mike sensors so when they bring it up and Mariner's making fun of the Admiral for saying sensors. I'm like, that is genius. That is fucking perfect. Yeah. And see, that's that's the type of Easter eggs that they can use to properly do a Star Trek joke. Yeah. That's a proper Star Trek joke. Then another Easter egg was Mortiarty. This was yes. a reference to the holographic version of Professor James Mortiarty. Yeah. That was introduced in the... Um, Episode where Data was trying to prove himself to Dr. Pulaski that he can go above his programming. Yes. I believe the episode was titled Elementary. Yeah. Dear Data. And it started Data's total fascination with the character of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Which some of the the times that they've done that is with some of my favorite Data moments when he does the whole Sherlock Holmes adventures with Geordi. Those are freaking cool. They're fun episodes. Yeah. 
And then the other one was, oh, like Q or the Traveler. That was good. I figured you like that since yes. you constantly, anyone that listens to our discussions know that any chance you can bring up the possibility of Q or the Traveler, you do so. You oh. do it every single time. I Absolutely. Especially when it came to this episode when they brought up how enlightenment and everything else, I kept waiting. When are they going to do it? Well, <laughs> when are they gonna Q do? wouldn't make sense for enlightenment because let's be honest, he's not enlightened. <laughs> he's not. Yeah. He's a disgrace to his race. <laughs> but the traveler, yes, that the would traveler, make per- yes. that'd make perfect sense. But uh, uh, in parallel, that's the thing about that whole moment when he starts saying it's burning. I kept laughing because I'm going, "Oh my god, yeah, they're making fun of the whole traveler element." When you think about it, because what happens to uh, to uh, when the traveler takes Will away? He just simply takes him away. Nothing wrong. Takes him out of him out of time and everything else. Here, the guy gets burned alive. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this next one, uh, this one I did not find on my own. O'Connell becomes V'ger. Now, is this one of those Easter eggs that's a reach? When O'Connell's ascension actually does end up happening, aspects of it visually look a lot like when Decker became part of the massive no. AI yes. known as V'ger. Yes. And of course the motion picture. Oh yeah. I don't remember the motion picture that well. <laughs> I've only watched it like a handful of times. Well, in the motion picture, that's... I know it's one of your favorite Star Trek films. It, it but is. It is. And I always start with Wrath of Khan. I don't know why. It's a habit. My mother always told me she... I'm a product of her Star Trek ideology. My mother didn't like it. So I always skipped it. It's one of the movies I think is very underrated. underrated. That's what I hear. I need to go back and watch it because I do remember parts of it, but not enough to tell you about it. Because there's so many elements in Star Trek, the motion picture that still stick to me this day. I mean, the scene of the transporter incident. I know you bring that up. Yeah. Spock going into a mind meld with an entire galaxy of AI. Uh, essentially was actually really cool visually so you do you do think this is an actual easter egg yeah oh yeah when i saw this that's why i said it the the ascension of o'connell paid so much homage to the times in every single time that in star trek that a character has seen enlightenment or achieved a new level of sentience right and like you can look at the Traveler, you can look at V'ger, especially when Decker is surrounded by a beam of light that just whisks him away up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I was like going, okay, this is this is a proper this is a proper way of telling a Star Trek joke. But it wasn't like Star Trek like bang in your face. If you're a Star Trek fan, you'll see it. But if you're just like average Joe Schmo, you will get, you, you get the actual chuckle of it. That's why I thought the, the throw in of the whole koala bear was actually genius because like the whole thing with V'ger, that's very similar to that. It's like Decker, right? Being risen up in the air to what? Uh, we don't know. Probably it was a koala bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave. Well, why don't you, Give me your final thoughts and your RMD score. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with my RMD score for this one, especially if you've listened to our critique of the first three episodes. Episode four is 
by far my favorite. I am giving this one an 89, which is far better than episodes one, two, and three. Oh, way better. Way better. That's like a 20% increase. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, because the biggest bonus to me, what they did, I approached this episode and actually removed myself as a Star Trek fan and said, I love comedies and I love seeing well-written comedy scripts. This is a well-written comedy script. This is what you need to do to write good comedy. Let the comedy speak for itself. Don't rush it. Know your, know your, know your pacing with comedy. Their pacing in the, in, in giving the jokes was good. It was like, okay, we're going to let it settle punchline. Fantastic. My favorite scene when you get to see that, if I, if I tell people, if you want to see good comedy writing, take a look at the poker scene. It's very simplistic, but the way they write the comedy is like perfect. They don't go above their head. They let the joke write itself. They let the characters actually t- uh, react to the joke properly too. Well, even the actors, their delivery their is delivery far better. Their delivery was good. And so that's why this, this particular episode scored well over episodes one, two, and three. Now, the interesting thing is, does this make me want to continue watching it? Yes, it does make me continue to watch, want to watch it. And I want to see how, uh, how far they'll go. But I say this with a caveat just because I'm not too... I wasn't too happy when I looked back at the four episodes and go, you gave me two and three, but essentially they were throwaway episodes. So what was the point? What was the point of those two episodes? Well, I mean, you could say that about almost every Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek season one. Yes. Star Trek, the next generation season one had some episodes that are just not good. They're not good. So, I mean, do we look at those as throwaway? And yeah, that is true. Or is it just growing pains? So that's why I'm seeing these four as growing pains. And I'm hoping that next episode, the next episode, I feel you have to progress now. Don't, don't take steps back because if you take steps back, then I'm going to be, I would be the audience that basically goes, Oh, okay. No, I agree. Like this is the time to move forward now, right? This is the time to move forward with your story. Yeah. I agree, Dave. I I think you're spot on with your final thoughts. And just to add a little bit more. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I feel like we're, we found the path. Yes. And as long as Mike McMahon and his group of writers are aware they found the path, then let's follow that path right out of the woods. And then right into the holodeck where we can all celebrate because that's what I want for Star Trek. That's what I want for this series. I never want to be those toxic trolls on YouTube that just it's like they enjoy. Yeah, it's like they don't want to find something pleasant about Star Trek because they just want to complain. And they know if they like something, that means they're not going to get 300,000 views because they thrive on toxic people joining in. Yeah. And I, I am of the mindset that i want to be wrong i want this to be the best thing ever and i feel like right now we're on the right track as of episode four so let's stay on this path yeah don't veer into those deep dark woods yeah 
And I give this episode an 85% on the RMD score. I think so, it was the first time me and you have scored the we've been in the low episode. We've been in the low 60s. Low 60s and low 70s. Yeah, so 85% and you gave it an 89%. Yeah. This does bring us to the end of our discussion. I do want to welcome our listeners to please find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and give us a review. Give us thumbs up. Let us know what you think of our show. If you hate us, tell us. If you didn't like David's misogynistic comments, let us know. Because I will behead him live on the air. <laughs> live on the air. <laughs> I will wear a jihad mask. Hey, anyone that's saying that they're not going to use a holodeck the way that they showed in Lord Dex, you are lying. Yeah, but you called Mariner a bitch, and that's why I got to draw the line. That's because she is. <laughs> you're, you're an asshole, David. I will. I'm going to give you the sarcastic... <laughs> The Vulcan, Vulcan salute, salute right out the window. <laughs> I'm going to use it as a fuck off. I'm like, <laughs> that's going to be our thing now. That's going to be our thing. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I mean, okay. So you could use it as a middle finger when you think about it. It just, it's all about gesturing it's and, about and the gesturing, context of yeah. the scene. I mean, didn't Zachary Quinto use it as basically a fuck you in. What, what Star Trek was it? It was either the 2009, I think it was the 2009, where he said, live long and prosper. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> when, he, when he's talking to the council. Is that, okay, was he that what it was? Council, yeah. Okay, I can't remember. I just, I vaguely remember that. All right, this does bring us to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. And live long and prosper. Motherfucker. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.